Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I appreciate you so much. We have an exciting show. I have three really great guests, and it's going to back us up from end to end here with this show today. So I just want to introduce the concept to you and then let them loose to share this amazing topic with you. Today, we want to talk about living your values, to come from the heart, the center, and the core of who you are and share you with the world. Now, those of you that know me or have listened to Thriving Entrepreneur for a while, you know that that is where I come from. That is what I love to live in, is when a heart-centered person just purely bees themselves in this world. And I want to give you permission as you're listening today to just fully be 100% you while it's called today. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Move beyond what yesterday was and just fully maximize today in living your values. How's that sound? I love the concept of that and I'm so excited to share all three of these guests with you as we move forward to living as a thriving entrepreneur, I'm going right straight into my first guest right now. Join me in welcoming Sean and Michael. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. So tell us a little bit about each of yourselves and then how you came up with the book, Kiss Your Dragons. Awesome. I'll let you go, Michael. My name is Michael Harper and I am the co-author of Kiss Your Dragons, and I am, uh, I, we're all recovering something or other, right? So I'm a recovering nonprofit person who doesn't have a ton of experience in corporate world stuff, uh, yet have jumped into consulting and teaching and facilitating and loving it. Uh, and I play the architect archetype in the book where it is uh, the reluctant person uh, on the journey. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could not say more about Michael. So hi, everyone. I'm Sean Nason, man on fire, uh, disruptor, blow shit up guy, um, reformed or recovering. I don't know how you want to put that. Pastor, corporate America, guy who started his own company because he was tired of um, dealing with the status quo. And um, I think that's how this book, you know, Michael and I have worked together now. We'll known each other for 10 years. Um, I met Michael when I worked in corporate America and then Michael joined with me uh, about four years ago. Um, and we had this amazing journey and, our dear friend Robin, who could not be on the live today because she like has a real job right now, and she really hates us for that because she's helping uh, out a company for us. Um, we realized we had this amazing story to tell. Um, didn't start out as Kiss Your Dragons or that theme. It started out something else, but through a journey over and during the pandemic in the summer of 2020, Kiss Your Dragons came to life. So tell us, what do you mean by Kiss Your Dragons? Yeah, I'll give you my uh, interpretation, and then Michael will definitely give his. Um, Kiss Your Dragons um, really, for me, um, is based in a movie called How to Train Your Dragons. Um, and there was Hiccup and Toothless. Hiccup, a 15-year-old boy, Toothless, this dragon who had been taught, and Hiccup, who in his whole life had been taught, to kill dragons, slay your dragons. How many times have you heard that, Steve, in, in life? Go slay those dragons, right? Um, they breathe fire, they kill you. Um, well, the day came when Hiccup 
was confronted and met Toothless, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't slay the dragon. So he leaned into something new, and he trained the dragon. And through the three movies, through that journey, what happened is he transformed and brought systematic change to a whole society. So let's put that into the book. Instead of slaying, how about train or kiss your dragons? Lean into the things that you fear the most, that scare you the most, that cause sometimes a mess and havoc in your life. You know, Steve, you um, were raised in the church. Michael was raised in the church. I was raised in the church. Um, We all have this, but there needs to be some dramatic, systematic change in the church. (laughs) Um, And the church isn't willing most of the times to lean in and kiss your dragons, just like the business world isn't. So, Michael, add on to that. I think there's some great stuff in your insights to that as well. Yeah, I think the bottom line for me is that the world didn't need another business book, right? The world didn't need another book. Uh, So we really thought long and hard. This wasn't us wanting to write a book for the sake of writing a book. This was us looking at mindsets and hard sets that we can talk a little bit about later that we have used on ourselves We have used with others, both individuals and organizations. And over time, we just kept seeing people engage them at levels that were really profound. And it's asking people to blend their personal life with their work life, which is timely because that's what we're all having to do as we pull out of this pandemic. Our lives are now meshed together in ways that we never had to deal with before, that, you know, every meeting has your dog in it. What do you do with that? Right. So, um, so here we go with, with, a, with a Kiss Your Dragons theme that the world needs people to show up and be the people that they were created to be. And too often what we found in, in using these heart sets and these mindsets is that too often the people aren't being the people that the world needs them to be because of barriers, things that are holding them back, the, 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 the crap in their head that is slowing them down. And those are the dragons. And so instead of trying to, like Sean said, is to rear up and and kill those dragons and get rid of them and slay them. What if we made friends with them? What if we leaned in and kissed them and embraced them as part of ourselves that we may not be proud of, may not like, but we can come to terms with. And what if we do that together? And what if we use that both as a rallying cry for our personal lives and our business lives? What would happen if we could get rid of things like fear and imposter syndrome and um, negative uh, uh, words in our head? What if, what if we could work through all of that, lean in, kiss them, and then go out and be the people the world needs us to be? Wow. really what would the world be like even if we could just do that just today you know well and i think that i think that's what michael and i and robin and and i wish robin could be here because robin's an amazing black woman who has been an executive in in big corporations um and when people meet robin and michael and i and we come together um it really is what I think America is meant to be because we have some very polar opposite beliefs in, in everything from religion to politics to how you do life. But we've learned, um, and I love this, and, and I, I, I this year committed to 2021 to be a year where I no longer agree to disagree with people. Correct. <laughs> um Because what I will do is I will agree to respect you and listen to you. Um, And my gosh, Steve, what if the world would just stop and listen to each other? And I think, and Michael will, I think you agree with this. That's the whole concept of, you know, the subtitle of the book, Steve, is Radical Relationships, Bold Heart Sets, and Changing the World. Um, And we are really big about radical relationships. And you say those terminologies and people say, oh, I understand radical relationships, bullshit. 
You know? No, you don't. If you say you do that quickly, <laughs> you got it wrong. Sorry. Um, yeah, and I hope you don't mind, Steve. Got a copy of the book right here, Kiss Your Dragons. Um, Michael has his friend, Ed. I have a dragon. He has a dragon. <laughs> but I want to read to you because we, we talk about this at the very opening of the book. On page seven, it says, Radical relationships are about depth and authenticity, boldness and heart. More importantly, they're about being willing to be in relationships with people and systems. So this is where it gets to business as well, um, that are very different from where you are and embracing the mess that comes with it. Done well, radical relationships are enlivening. They give us enlivening. They give us confidence and energy in the face of ambiguity, confusion, difficulty, danger, and even despair. They build our trust in ourselves and in others. We need them now more than ever. Yeah, for sure. More, more, more than ever every day. <laughs> yeah. So radical relationships. What is a bold heart set then? Michael. In the business world, especially, how often do you hear mindsets as a stupid throwaway business word, right? Just buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. So instead of just looking at mindsets, what if we talk about heart as well? So yes, mindsets are important. And we use the definition of mindsets that it's, it's what's in our heads, what's in our minds that drive our behavior. So our values, our beliefs, whatever it is that drive our, in our heads that drive our behavior. When you look at it, that's just part of the story. What about really zeroing in on heart sets? So heart set is the, the feeling that you have, the, the what's driving you on an emotional level that you just can't get away from that you would like to sometimes, but getting into where your heart is. And then we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about what is that journey between your head and your heart and where does it start? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is it? When does the head drive the heart? And when does the heart drive the head? And um, when you start framing it differently like that, a mindset becomes a thing of the past that you really have to connect the, the, the feeling part of it. And that gets back to just being humans, right? The living with empathy, focusing on people first. Uh, and that is not easy and not everyone can agree on what that means. So that's where the messiness comes in. How important is it really that we, agree i mean what if we do disagree uh, i mean isn't that still okay too it, yeah so again when i say i i agree to i don't like the terminology agree to disagree just like i don't um uh, you know robin shares this and again i wish she was here but you know don't ask for permission but ask for forgiveness like we don't we don't talk about that anymore um yes listen you see two men on here. Um, I have a mohawk. He does not. <laughs> uh, you know, I wear lots of jewelry. I have painted fingernails right now. Michael does not, right? We, there's a difference in disagreeing and respectfully having different opinions uh, and beliefs, right? Like, do I believe everything the same way that you do, Steve, or that Michael does, or that Robin does, or even my wife, who I've been married to for 24 years? And that is, and this is where it gets into one of these heart sets that we talk about in the book um, around a swarm. So how many times have you heard, Steve, your vibe attracts your tribe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. So I can talk about this because I'm Native American. I'm from a tribe. So literally. So, right. Typically when we talk about a vibe attracts your tribe, it's people that have your same energies. Most of the time look like you think like you believe like you, and you surround yourself with that group of people. Right. 
How does that really bring systematic change in a business? It doesn't. So in the concept in the book, one of the things we talk about is a swarm because dragons travel in swarms. And those, and see Ed's coming, Ed's traveling through here with Michael. Um, and I, I don't have mine, <laughs> um, but in that swarm, the dragons are different sizes, different colors, different types, different, have different roles. So if you surround yourself with that, if I surrounded myself with people that wore mohawks, bleached their hair, wore diamonds all day, what good would that do me? And let's, let's, let's tie it back to a common theme between us. Church. How many people sit in churches that act the same, look the same, do the same, be the same? Roll your eyes, right? Like, I'm over it, right? I want to be surrounded by people that are going to challenge me and teach me to listen and ultimately teach me to change mindsets. That's where we bring this mindset, heart set combination in. Um, if I surrounded myself with people that did everything like me, holy cow, this world would suck. I don't need a whole world of Sean's. The world doesn't need a whole world of Sean's, right? Um, and the world doesn't need a whole world of Michael's or Steve's or Robin's or anyone else. So that is where disagree. And I, I just don't like that word. I think I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to respect you and you're going to believe things different. Um, and imagine if we did that in the world today, so for me, it it's, goes back to the behavior. So if we disagree and that causes me to do things like avoid you hmm. and um, say things about you and post things about you and um, find ways to make your life hard or any of those things that go with negative behaviors, then we have a problem. Yep. What we're saying is we disagree. So let's step, take a step in. And when you take a step in, you really have to do, do things like start listening and reflecting on what's going on that causes you to disagree. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we're talking semantics. So, yes, uh, disagreement is good. We can't all agree on everything all the time. What we're saying is in that swarm, you've got to intentionally seek out people that you do disagree with and let them challenge you. And the letting you challenge you, that's the kissing of the dragon. That's the leaning into the dragon and making friends with the dragon. And it sucks for a lot of us most of the time. Uh, but we would too often people would rather take the easy way out and, um, you know, just go off and ignore other people. <laughs> um, and what we're saying is, no, this is hard work. It gets, it gets messy. And that messiness is where you grow. And the messier it is, the more you can grow. Aren't you ready to grow? Or do we want to be the same people we are five years from now? Oh, that is so good. I mean, just embracing just that one little thing of inviting opposite opinions. I have this weird radical idea that will never catch on. Um, actually, I hope it will. But it's let's teach history just as history. There are some really awful parts of history. There are some really amazing parts of history. It just is. We can't change it. We wish we could. We take away a lot of things that happened in history if if we could change them, but they happened. Now we have to move forward and, you know, be the best we can be today. And claim that story, right? Yeah. Claim the story, come together, move on. Yeah, the good. It, it goes back to the good, bad, the ugly, right? Mm -hmm. We have some great parts of history. We have some bad parts. We have some ugly parts. Mm -hmm. But I, we can't erase it. And it's just it. And it's the same in business, you know, it's the same in, in everything in life. The good, bad, and the, you know, I've been married for 24 years. Michael's almost 25 years, right? There's not, everything has not been 24, 25 years of good. There's been good, bad, and ugly. But we're better today because of that. We're better today in history and in our country and in businesses because of that. Embrace it. Don't have to like it. But move forward, and and, I and to will, me that's kiss your dragon. It is. It is. That and, is kiss your dragon. And where radical relationships and the swarm concept is mm. kind of the launch pad, 
Um, there's also practical stuff in, in what we're trying to get people to engage. And my favorite is falling in love with the right problem. Mm. Yep. That so often while we're trying to have these radical relationships and we're trying to, to um, be able to engage in um, what it means uh, to be in a swarm, there's a lot of, there's a lot of BS out there. <laughs> Uh, and it's because we're falling in love with the wrong problem. We're, we're, yeah. we're so focused on uh, something that makes us feel good instead of really getting it to the root cause of what's happening. And we see it. We see it all the time is that we would rather do the easier work or even if it's hard work, it's wasted time because all you're doing is, is going in in the wrong direction. So I had a really uh, great conversation with someone a few weeks ago and that, they were blaming everybody and everything what was wrong with work. And they were, they were, you know, this person is not a good leader. This person is, a, you know, causing trouble for me. Uh, and after a lot of listening, I was able to say, I'm not sure that we fall in love with the right problem here. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I think we're spending a lot of time talking about the symptoms. I don't think we've gotten to the right problem. And I, so I think you're falling in love with the wrong problem. And that's a personal example, but they came around to, oh, the problem is this is not a good place for me to work. This is not a place making me happy. And instead of owning that truth, going to just blame it on everybody else. Well, okay, let's fall in love with the right problem and let's use the rest of the heart sets and mindsets to work through what that could be. Um, and then in, in the you know business world, how often do teams work on projects and they're just going down the exact wrong path because they're too afraid to fall in love with the right problem. Um, it's easier just to do what's kind of on the surface as a, as a, as a great solution. And we see this all the time in the experience work that we do because when people want to improve a customer or a consumer experience, they're focusing just on the consumer instead of the rest of the ecosystem, uh, their experience ecosystem. They're not paying attention to things like vendor relationships and employee associate experience and uh, what the market looks like. So um, it's just way too easy to go the wrong direction. Um, and I, that's my favorite, fall in love with the right problem. So let's give the people something that they can do, I mean, Besides get the book, I just put the link in the comments again so people can get the book. But what's one thing that they could do today to begin to start kissing their dragons? I'll give you mine, and then Michael will give you his. Um, I think the first thing to do is just identify you have a dragon, right? So, um, and leaning into it, leaning into the thing that you're scared of, you fear, you're afraid to address, um, acknowledging it um, and then finding you finding another dragon uh, or another person to put in your swarm um, that may think and look and act different than you. Um, and that's not always easy. Mine. And if, uh, if, those who uh, know me well enough will um, cringe and or laugh when I say this, um, just to preface that. But um, mine is just do something today. Mm. That um, all those barriers that get in people's way, one of the other uh, mindsets we use is uh, a bias towards action. And there's so many things that hold us back. There's so many things that go through our head, most of it fear-based that prevent us from just doing something. So you don't have to change the world today. You don't have to, um, you don't have to, to, to make headlines. You just need to do something to get yourself unstuck and taking a step closer to making that dragon be your friend. Mm, that is so awesome. So if somebody wants to go deeper with you, I mean, they need to get the book. Absolutely. Kiss Your Dragons. It's available today for free on Amazon. But if they wanted to do deeper work with you, where can they go to connect with you? Yeah, I think two, two websites, um, either to my website, seannason.com um, or to mofi, M-O-F-I dot C-O. So mofi.co or seannason.com. Um, and you can get to either Michael and I through either one of those websites. 
All right. Well, give us some uh, closing words before we end up here, each of you. Uh, uh, I'll turn it to Michael to give. What we are calling on the world to do and challenging anybody who will listen, we are inviting you on a dangerous, messy, scary journey. And I can say that because that's been my journey. And I will say that the messiness is 100% worth it. When we really engage this, this journey, we even put a warning at the beginning of the book. You'll see if, if you, if you download it today, um, but uh, is a warning that says, this is not for everybody, but if it's for you, fasten your seatbelt, put on your armor, let's go. And um, it's worth it. It's worth every bit of it. Yep. And in the book, um, Michael laughs, it's my three-point sermon. I preach it every day, everywhere I go, um, to leaders, to people in general. Um, first is learn to be transparent. Um, second um, is to build those radical relationships. Um, and most importantly, third is to love people. Um, and if you do those three things, it's really easy to kiss your dragons. Sean and Michael, I appreciate both of you. I wish Robin could have been with us, but I appreciate both of you, your book, and for spending some time with us here on the show today. Well, thank you. And thank you for all that you do for us, Steve. That is such amazingly great stuff. I just love it. I hope that you got a lot out of it, too. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and then we've got two more exciting guests. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Let's jump right into our next guest. Join me in welcoming Barry Habib. How are you today, Barry? Hey, Steve. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Been called a serial entrepreneur. Um, grew up in New York City. Uh, first generation here. Grew up really poor. Um, and have through many years in the mortgage industry and helping people in real estate, um, done professional speaking, had my own show on CNBC, produced a few shows on Broadway, uh, Rock of Ages, 27th longest running show in history in Vegas, produced uh, uh, Chris Angel's Mind Freak, been in nine movies with speaking roles, uh, have a couple of businesses that have helped people within the mortgage and real estate industry understand the financial markets, uh, created some certification platforms that are pretty ubiquitous, and uh, also I'm CEO of a company called MBS Highway, which is uh, which is the foremost source for market data and information in the mortgage and real estate industry right now. So quite a few things. So just a couple of stuff just to keep you busy every once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, you have a new book out. Um, how's your book doing for you? Let's start there. Well, it was just released and uh, was blessed to get the wonderful notification that it was the number one bestseller for new releases on Amazon. 
So that's very exciting for me. And the reviews are outstanding. People are really um, enjoying the book. It's a very easy read. The book is designed to be very relatable to everyone. It's, uh, it has some certainly business help and tactics and wealth creation tactics, but really it's, it's just for life. Um, if you're going through a tough time, like we all go through, it will really help you get through it. If you're going through a good time, you know, we do go through these waves where you've got the wind at your back and things are going your way. It'll help you maximize that. And that's really important because we do get those and we all do. Uh, we don't want to let that opportunity slip by without maximizing the potential that we can get from it. And speaking of opportunity, that's really the main thing is that it helps you to see opportunities, which is really a skill. And you probably have seen people around you that just capitalize on opportunities and it seems that things just go their way. And then you look back and you say, well, that, you know, in the rearview mirror, it looks pretty obvious. Why didn't I see that to begin with? So the book will help you to be able to see the future before it becomes obvious, to be able to see opportunities and how to capitalize on them, how to act on them and what steps to go through to make sure that you're vetting them properly. So it's really a playbook that uh, you probably want to read more than once or review or revert back to it to you know, reinforce or review things. But the book really is, uh, it's got a lot of stories, got a lot of life lessons. And, and um, while many of the stories are you know, my stories, they're not about me, they're more through me, but they're very applicable to everyone. So uh, I, th I think the book can be uh, something that, that helps you truly have a better life. And the book is called Money in the Streets, a book for finding and seizing the opportunities all around you. Um, so obviously you can get it on Amazon, definitely. So tell us, um, what is one of the main ways that there is just money in the streets? So the name money in the streets um, is, is a, typically something that many people who are foreigners, when they come to the United States, they hear that the United States is such a rich country, that there's money in the streets, there's, the roads are paved with gold, right? I mean, that's what people hear about the U.S., and then just like my parents uh, who thought that that was the case come here and they find that it's truly a struggle. You know, my dad uh, and mom didn't speak English when they came here, but, but my mom spoke seven languages. My dad spoke 10 and he was an international journalist, but English wasn't a lot, one of the languages that they spoke. And uh, their, all their wealth was confiscated when they left the country that they were in and came here and um, had to be very humbled. My mom worked in a sweatshop. Uh, where they make dresses, really tough conditions. My dad wound up working at a hot dog stand. So this is just to provide for the family. My oldest brother, um, whatever he made, went towards helping to pay the bills. So they, they came here, they didn't exactly find the abundance that everybody was talking about in America. And they would tell me this as I was growing up. And you know, my, my, my arrival on the scene was certainly not planned and not even wanted. And it's my good fortune that I was conceived just before birth control came on the market and I was born just before Roe v. Wade or abortions became legalized. So I kind of slipped in the crack there. So I'm very grateful. This is all bonus time for me. But they would tell me as I was growing up the stories about how people felt about America, that there was money in the streets and they would kind of laugh about it, like how silly was that to think that way. But it was also sad. And then what I discovered is that by learning how to identify opportunities and by the many different businesses that I was in, starting from selling stereo equipment out of the trunk of my car to being in the mortgage industry, selling real estate, and uh, not as an agent, but more buying properties, flipping them, renting them, uh, just discovering ways to capitalize on that. And then having businesses that I created and built and wound up selling you know, as I as was a uh, now, my dad passed away when I was just a little boy, but my mom, um, as I was starting to kind of hit my stride and I started to appear on TV and started to become a professional speaker, which I still am today, um, I sat down with my mom and I said, you know what, you were right. There really is money in the streets, but the trick is, is first seeing it because it's not as obvious, but it's there. And then knowing how to pick it up and how to do good with it. And, uh, I was glad I was able to have that talk with my mom before she passed because uh, there really is. And the key is, Steve, is to not only be able to have the ability to identify it and do well with it and succeed with it, because listen, there's a lot of successful people, there's a lot of wealthy people that are unhappy. The trick is to gain fulfillment. 
and what are you doing with the successes that you have and, and how are you getting fulfillment? Because you need both. You need goals, you need achievement, you need to strive for that. That's a really important part for all of us. Otherwise, we just don't feel right. We don't feel like we're living up to our potential. And then the other aspect is, is okay, so what are we doing with the success? How are we helping others? What are we doing to give us fulfillment? Because you need both really to approximate happiness, to try and get close to being happy and feeling that. Uh, so the book definitely goes into ways to, to achieve not just the goals, not just the success, but the, but the fulfillment portion of it as well. Perfect. So, and, and by the way, Steve, you asked how do you, you know, some of the ways that there's money in the street. So listen, there's opportunity everywhere. I'm just going to give you just a real quick, one of the things that people need to do is try to alleviate points of friction. Now there's points of friction all around us. You know, we come across these and oftentimes the first step is to complain about it, but we oftentimes don't look at how to solve these and what can we do. And then if we find a solution, we talk ourselves out of taking action to go through with it. We throw our hands up, don't think we could do it. And we, we can, we could do anything. So just a couple of quick examples. So when I was in the mortgage business, I understood that, you know, we would get our interest rates early in the day. And then you talk to customers, quote them an interest rate, but the market would be moving in the background. So I might be talking with you, Steve, and quote you an interest rate on a mortgage that you would like to apply for. And by the time I got back to the office, the market moved and now that rate had changed. It had gone up. And I've got three choices here. I either A, go back to you and look like a fool or B, I talk to my company and say, listen, I talked to them about this. So we have to do this for free. That's not fun either. Or C, the worst of all is I, I have, I'm like a deer in the headlights. I don't do anything. And I pray it comes back, but that's how you can get in real trouble. So I saw that as a point of friction. And what I did was created a tool that became a huge company that I sold for lots and lots of money. That what we did was we market, we monitored the market for you and we would alert you so that while you were taking care of business, we'd tell you if the market was going to change so you could respond and act immediately before pricing got worse. And then when I opened up Rock of Ages on Broadway, I would notice that people would, it's in New York City, they'd arrive a little late sometimes. And then they wait online to get an adult beverage. You, know, you want to get your favorite cocktail. And it's not cheap. They would get charged, you know, whatever, 15 bucks for a cocktail or so. And then the lights would flicker. The show's about to start. So now they'd have to guzzle their drink that they just paid for, spill it on themselves, not enjoy it at all. And I went to the theater owners and I said, well, why don't we just let them take the drinks to their seats? And the theater owner says, no, we've never done that before. So you're going to always get faced with no initially, right? That's the first response. It'd be no, we've never done it before. Can't do that. So it's always going to be that, but that's not a good answer for me. So I went through painstakingly how to figure out how to make it work. And I made it work. And I became the very first show in the history of Broadway to allow drinking in your seats. And today all of them do it. Another quick way, just to give you a third one is with, with regards to the medical imaging company that I have. And look, I hope that nobody listening has to ever go for a medical scan. I hope you're all in wonderful health. But if you've had that happen to you in the past, you know the procedure there. You're going for a scan. The tech could obviously interpret what's going on, but they can't talk to you. They can't tell you. So what happens is unless you have your doctor in your speed dial or on your contacts or on their cell phone, which is rare, you have to wait sometimes many days for someone to reach out to you and tell you what's going on. And meanwhile, your anxiety is building. Your brain's like, oh my gosh, the worst. It's Ill. And you're very unhappy and uncomfortable. So I was like, why do people have to do that? So when I opened up a medical imaging company, I said, we're going to spend a little extra money. We'll charge a little bit more. We're going to have a radiologist right there on site so that by the time you got dressed, boom, you knew the answer. If it was good news, you walked out of there feeling amazing. And if it wasn't the news that you wanted, at least you had a plan of action and it probably wasn't as bad as you thought it could be. So that business flourished, opened up another two centers with that in mind, and then wound up selling that. So these are just some quick examples of truly there's money in the streets, truly there's opportunity all around us. And you asked the question, how do we discover it? So one of the first ways I'd look at it is what are the points of friction in your life, in your industry surrounding you? And then what solutions can you come up with? And then there's the book also explains to you how to go about and think big and and, and bring that out into the world. That was great advice. So tell us a little bit about how um, you can work with somebody if they want to go beyond the book with you. 
Well, I don't do any one-on-one because that's just, you know, I'd love to, and I, I talk to people all the time and I help them, but you know, it's difficult to go one-on-one because, you know, we, we have large industries that we talk to. So I do a lot of speaking. A lot of the speaking is, is inspirational and, and tries to get reach in you and get the best from you. But it's also the, more tailored to the mortgage and real estate industries from a tactical and educational point of view. So um, we don't do much of that. However, uh, we do have amazing data at mbshighway.com for every real estate market. If you want to make a decision on purchasing a home, you want to know what the home's worth, you want to know what the appreciation would be in any zip code in the country, uh, you want to know how much money that home will be worth into the future, whether you should buy it, whether you shouldn't buy it, if it's a good deal. We provide all that kind of data for you. So we can be a very good resource, uh, but, um, but I don't do like the one-on-one stuff. So the book is, uh, is something that really, if you, if you read through the book and take your time with it, uh, there are so many lessons there that you can capitalize on. That's perfect. And you said that was MBS data for the... M- MBS. Um, so it's MBS, which stands for Mortgage Backed Securities. So MBS Highway, MBS Highway. MBS Highway. How does it end up differing from like, say, a Zillow, you know, estimate of what a house is? So, so um, when you look at his estimate from Zillow, we will give you pretty close to that same information, but you're not going to get pixelated with us. If uh, you go to Zillow's site, they're going to pixel you. And if you're not familiar with the term, that means that uh, you've all been pixeled. And what that means is, let's say you go shopping for a pair of shoes or for a house or for a car, whatever it is. And then later on, you're on Facebook and you notice, or somewhere else on the internet, you know, wow, that's an interesting ads for that exact same product with certain vendors are coming up. Well, congratulations, you've been pixeled. So when you go to Zillow, they pixel you and then you get bombarded with all of their ads from all of their vendors. Whereas if we, if you utilize our tools, you don't get that, of course. So that's, that's what's one big benefit that you get. But then there's a lot that we do beyond that. Now, Zillow is going to put out there some really nice stuff for listings and homes that are available. We don't do any of that. We will tell you what that home will be worth, if it's a good deal, if you should purchase it. But we're not, you know, we're not a place where you're going to be able to shop for a home. Perfect. All right. Well, the book is called Money in the Streets, a playbook for finding and seizing the opportunity all around you by Barry Habib. Barry, I really appreciate you spending some time here on the show with us today. It's my pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much. I hope you're taking notes on that and that you did find some ways in your life that the money is really, truly in the streets, that you can see that opportunity and you can maximize it by just simply being yourself and living every day as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. (laughs) Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. All right, let's talk to one more guest about living your core values, living the value of who you are today. Join me in welcoming Darius Mizrodzda. How are you today, Darius? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you show up in the world. Uh, you know, I'm a... a brother, husband, dad, and a twin, and a author and entrepreneur. Um, 
serial entrepreneur, really. I spent the last 20 years of my life um, building businesses, high growth businesses. And, um, and most recently, I published my book, The Core Value Equation, which is all about how do you build a core value-driven organization. I often tell people I'm a core value evangelist. So I'm all about using core values to really, you know, try to structure and design the, out the outcomes that are meaningful to us in our lives and in our businesses. And I, I don't see one separate from the other. I kind of feel like they all, they all kind of come out of the same place, which is, you know, living our values. And, and um, yeah, that's, uh, it's probably a quick, quick and dirty on me. All right. So tell me a little bit um, for people who, I don't know, have been living in a cave or something that don't understand the concept of core values. What, how do you define core values? Well, so it's funny. I went in and did a little bit of work on this because I, I, I realized, I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't really looked up the definition of core values. And if you look it up in the dictionary, it's one's fundamental beliefs. And, and it can be for a person or an organization. And so it's really simple. It's to, what are your fundamental beliefs? What are the things you truly believe? And, and what I you know, promote is this idea of a, getting very clear on that, and then B, using that information to design a way for you to use that, the, the, those essentially assets, your values can become an asset that you use for making decisions and for following the path you wanna follow and, and not just doing it blindly or intuitively, but doing it intentionally and from a, a place of design, um, not just from, oh, I think I wanna do this. It's, well, I want to do this, and this is how it aligns to my fundamental belief of X, my fundamental belief of Y. So it's really getting clear and clear and clarity and then intentionality around the decisions we make and using our values as a filter for that and not just doing it haphazardly as, as I believe many people do do. So how do we do that? How do we begin to define what are really our true core values? Well, so there's different processes on doing this. You know, my book gives a process. You can Google, how do I figure out my core values? I mean, what we do in my process is I give you 105 words and they're these words that are value words like honesty and integrity and courage and boldness and innovation, wisdom, learning, family, love, trust. You know, there's tons of these words, about 105 is what we do in our book, in my book, excuse me. And then um, what I do with that is narrow it down. What are the most important five words on that list? What are the number six through 15 most important words? And then what we do is we take those words and, and I call that the discovery process, figuring out what are those top five, top 15 words that really stand for what you stand for? What are they really, what, when, if you only had a choice of, to pick 15 out of 105, which 90 would you not pick? And then knowing that those 15 are the most important. And then what I do is I put people through a design process, which is taking these words and translating them into language that's more meaningful to you as an individual or you as a business, and, and then designing those for, for use. So what I say is, for instance, in my uh, life, my number one value is happiness. I call it heart. And my number two value is, is love. We call it besos, which is kisses in Spanish and it's from my family. My number three is passion. We call it eye of the tiger. My number four is curiosity. We call it cinco, which stands for the, 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 the five questions, what, where, who, when, and why. Uh, my, number, my number four, five core value, excuse me, is um, uh, creativity. We call it boom, like a big fireworks show, boom. Um, and my last one is balance. We call it a movie night because in my family, we watch movies every Saturday night. So what you'll see is I translated those themes, those, those two-dimensional words like love, happiness, uh, passion, creativity, curiosity, and balance into these more to more creative tonal words that are in the length, tone of mind, the way I talk. And then what we do is we build four to six, four to eight sentences that say, well, what, is, what does boom look like? What does movie night look like? And they're again in the language of my family um, and, and in my personal language. And, and it's not just this it's very sterile language. It's, you know, for me, when we talk about happiness, we talk about having friends over and drinking and eating, dancing and singing and enjoying our lives. So it's really getting descriptive so that, you know, what happiness is to me and my family is maybe different than what it is to somebody else's, but you have a strong understanding of it because we've translated it into and designed it into this language that really re represents what we're all about. 
And once you've done that, then, then it's really just using that language. If, I, if I'm, you know, there's, and there's different ways of doing that. And in, in my book, we talk about it for a fit for a business, which there's some very, very specific ways. Um, in the personal life, it's, it could be as simple as like what I do with my kids and say, hey, you know, what core value are you going to live this week? And, and it's, again, what I believe is core values are the opportunity to become the language of our lives and of our businesses if they're designed for that. And when they do that, it's using it as a language. We talk about it, we use it. I think about it in terms of that language. And before you know it, like any language, you start to think, dream, uh, make decisions off of it because it's just there. It's, it's kind of there through osmosis because you've been using it in, uh, enough. And, it, and it's like anything. If you want something to become alive, you got to use it. It's got to have a high utility value. So for me, it's around creating these things so that you use them. Because if you don't use them, then they're not really going to do anything for you. Perfect. So you had a great question in the uh, speaker one sheet that got sent to me. I got to hear the answer to this. Talk to me about core values not needing to be nice. Yeah, so if you back up and, and look at what I had said earlier, which is, their core values are your fundamental beliefs. And some of our beliefs are not necessarily nice. You know, uh, I'll use the example of our president. Like our president's core values, you know, he, you know, he's very honest about his values. He doesn't believe, you know, he believes in power. He believes in, you know, looking good. He believes in, he believes in, you know, um, he's, a lot of his values are not nice, you know, but he's, he sticks to them. I don't necessarily agree with Trump's values, but, He's, he's, he, he doesn't really falter, you know, he'll win at all costs is one of his values. You know, I'm making them up. I don't know what they are. Those are what I'm reading when I see him. So I think, you know, the president's a, a, an example of values that are pretty harsh that some people might not agree with, but they really symbolize what he's all about. Um, and that's a really, that's a great example. Another would be Uber, the, the company, uh, the, you know, ride-sharing service. Their number, like six or seven core value under their former CEO, Travis Kalanick, was toe stepping, stepping on each other's toes. They wanted to challenge each other. That's not a nice core value, but I'll tell you what, it's good that they said what they were about so that when someone showed up, they weren't surprised by it when they got there. They knew what they're getting themselves into. And that's why I say core values don't need to be nice. We all have that one friend that's kind of a jerk that we love and they own it. They just own that they're a jerk, you know? Um, you know, because not everyone's good, not everyone's bad, but at least they own what they are and people respect that because people like authenticity. People want to know what, where you stand. They, they may not agree with you on it, but at least if they know, there's some safety in that where it's like, yeah, I know that tiger might chew my face off, but at least I know, it, you know, it's not like it's a little, you know, bunny that turns into a tiger out of nowhere and then bites my face off. I, I know what it is and I know what I'm up against and there's safety in that and people want to know you know, what we stand for. And that's why I say core values don't need to be nice. If you're an organization that's a warrior culture, own it. If you're a harmony, hippie loving culture, own it. Don't pretend you're something you're not. Eventually people are gonna know whether they know right away or they know down the line, they're gonna know when they know and they're not aligned. Now they just spend a bunch of time being somewhere they maybe shouldn't have been. So give the listeners one thing that, and of course, obviously they need to get the book, but. Um, one thing that they could do right now to begin to start really defining their own core values. Yeah, I th like, like obviously the book is one way of doing it, um, you know, because it, it walks you through the step-by-step. -step, and I think it's, it's the smart thing is to, is to have a process around this, right? Um, but what I would say is it's just kind of getting real with yourself. What, what I, you know, one easy way of doing it, and I don't talk about this in the book, is if, you know, what at your eulogy, at your you know, funeral, what do you want people saying about you? That probably is going to give you a pretty good indication of what your values are. If you can get really clear on what do you want people to say about you that's honest, not 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 aspirational and that it's not you. Like like my wife, I, I asked her, I put her through this core value exercise and she, her number one core value was decisive, decisiveness. And she's not a very decisive person. So I said, hey, but like, that's, you're not very good at that. So I, I know it's really aspirational, but you're like the least decisive person I know. Just pick, pick some of your real values. I mean, loyalty and, you know, you know, my wife's a passionate person and she's artistic and creative. Like these are the things that people are going to say about you and, and what for the people that knew you best. Um, and, and, and those are really probably what you stand for because like I said, your core values are your fundamental beliefs. They're what you believe. They're what you're willing to fall on your sword for. They're the thing that you're willing to lose money over. They're the things that some people are willing to lose their lives over because it's what means so much to them. So I think it's 
just, you know, go and asking yourself that question. Am I living a life that's aligned with my fundamental beliefs? Do I even, have I gotten clear on what my fundamental beliefs are? That's probably the first thing is ask yourself that question. If I asked you, what are your core values? Could you think about what your five values are within one second, tell me what they are. And if the answer is no, then there's probably some work you need to do. The book is called The Core Value Equation, A Framework to Drive Results, Create Limitless Scale, and Win the War for Talent. Um, Darius, can we get it on Amazon and all the normal places? Yeah, everywhere. You can get it on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, you name it, it's there. We have it in all formats, hardback, paperback, all back. So yeah, anywhere you go, you can get it. Amazon's a great place, it's a, but it's all over the web. And um, you can also go to my website, therealdarius.com and, and uh, there's plenty of resources there as well. Give us that website address again. It's www.therealdarius, like T-H-E-R-A-L, Darius, D-A-R-I-U-S.com. Perfect. Well, um, I and they can reach out to you there on that website to go deeper with you if they want to as well. Uh, of course, yeah, you can contact me through the website. Love to love to you know talk to you if you're if you're interested or have questions. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you being with us together here on the radio today. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. I love so much the concept of living your core values, of knowing at your core who you are. And then just simply living that, whatever it is. I said one time at a Facebook Live, if you want to be grump, you know, you want to be grumpy Smurf, then go for it. Be the best grump in the whole world. I don't really even want to, and I hate living in the place of judgment to judge you over who you are or what you think or do or feel in this world. I'm just simply here to encourage you to do it wholeheartedly. Do it fully and do it in full knowledge of the real true who you are. It is so easy for us to fall into the trap of living the way we're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Somebody told us we should be a certain way and then we live that way rather than just simply being the best version of ourselves. And I really hope that you will live your values just while it's called today. That's all, just today. So that you can let the world know and see that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. As you just simply shine you to the world, you will make the difference that only you can make. And in that, you will live as a thriving entrepreneur and you will change the world in ways that when we're not living at the core of who we are, we just really can't even hardly fathom, let alone live in. I want that for you. I hope that you find yourself thriving in all that you do today. I value you. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks again for listening to the show, for spending some time with us here today. I hope that this helped you in even just a little way to live your values as we live each day as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You